0: This podcast is brought to you by Jax Outdoor Gear Farm and Ranch. For 65 years, Jax has been helping people get outdoors having fun. Jax encourages our community to be safe and healthy, to get outdoors responsibly, and to find adventures close to home, even in your own backyard. Jax is now offering curbside pickup to make sure you're prepared for whatever you need. Visit their website at JaxGoods.com to place an order. Or to find the contact information for the store nearest to you. Hi, sorry to bother you. My name is Erin. I'm a reporter at the Coloradoan, the newspaper yeah. in town. And I'm recording a podcast. I have a history podcast. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: I'm recording a new episode on the history of this park. Mm -hmm. And I'm going around and I'm asking one question. I don't know if you'd be willing to answer it. Uh sure, why not? Do you know who Lee Martinez was? Who Lee Martinez no, I have no clue. You have no clue? I have zero clue. Okay. Last month I went to Lee Martinez Community Park. Perched on the edge of Old Town, it's an 89 acre swath of land butted up against the Kashlaputa River. It has grassy areas, tennis courts, basketball hoops, a softball field, even an old dairy farm that's been repurposed into a sort of community barnyard, the farm at Lee Martinez Park. The park's also a popular spot just to hang out, especially in the midst of a global pandemic as people are itching to get out of the house while staying outdoors. When I was there, this was mid-June, there were a bunch of people, and I awkwardly walked up to several of them, to ask the same question. Do you know who Lee Martinez, this is Lee Martinez Park. Do you yes. know, do you know who Lee Martinez was?
2: Um, uh, yeah, uh, Lee Martinez, I, uh, uh, I believe he, uh, he, wasn't he a mayor here?
0: I don't think so. Okay, no, okay, no. Nope. Um, so this is Lee Martinez Park. Do you know who Lee Martinez was? No. Okay, cool. <laughs> Thank you so much. Sure. Um, well, so that we're, in, we're in Lee Martinez Park. Do you happen to know who Lee Martinez is? No.
1: No. okay. I may have heard it. I've been here 40 years. I may have heard it, but it's not one that's stuck to me.
0: For more than 40 years, people in Fort Collins have flocked to Lee Martinez Community Park. But of all the ones I walked up to that afternoon in June, none of them could tell me who Lee Martinez actually was. And to be fair, I didn't even know that much about him until recently. As Lee's son, Philip would later tell me, that's pretty common now. Time beats on. People get old. They die. And the neighborhood near Lee Martinez Park, where Lee and his wife Ava lived for decades, is changing. And with it, its history is fading a bit. But if you were to step back in time, back to, say, the 40s, 50s, 60s, you would have definitely at least heard the name Lee Martinez. His roots go back even further in northern Colorado, back to 1906, when he came by covered wagon to Fort Collins with his family. Over the next 60 years, Lee Martinez would carve out a life for himself here, a Mexican-American dream built on hard work and humility. I'm Aaron Udell with the Fort Collins Coloradoan, and you're listening to the 26th episode of The Way It Was, the life of Lee Martinez. Uh,
3: Mrs. Martinez, could you tell us about uh, your husband's uh, birth and early life? Maybe first his birth date? Uh, If I can remember those things, some of those things, I can remember he had that date on? Um, I think just uh, a year, probably. Uh He was was, uh, uh, born November 15th. 1889,
0: I believe it's there. Yes, well, uh, yes, 1889. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And then he died in uh, 1970. Uh, April 11th. April 11th, uh-huh. Those two voices you're hearing belong to Eva Martinez and Charlene Tresner. In the 70s, Tresner, a local historian, started recording oral history interviews with notable residents. This one was recorded in 1975 five years after Lee Martinez died. Ava Martinez, his wife of almost 50 years, was still in their family home on Sycamore Street at the time. She'd stay there until her death in
3: 1997. And um, where was he born? He was born in a county. I think it's close to Wassenburg, somewhere around here. Oh, yes, Uh uh-huh. Uh, what did his family do when, at the time he was born? Do you know that? Uh, I think they um, they had a farm there around, uh, you know, between Garner and uh, Walsenburg. Yes. Mm-hmm. And then I believe this
0: article says that they came here in 1906. Right. It pains me a little that this is Ava Martinez's oral history, but it focuses more on her husband. For the purposes of this podcast, it works out. But still, Ava sounds like she lived quite a life as well. Ava's grandparents moved her from Pueblo, Colorado to Fort Collins in 1904 when she was just a baby. Her parents would join them later. Two years after that, Lee Martinez's family also made the move from the Walsenburg area, where Lee was born. Lee Brado, or Lee, was originally a Gallegos. That was his father's surname. And the history is a little hazy here, but for some reason, he was adopted into the family of Nestor and Santana Martinez. He became their oldest son, followed by six daughters and another little boy. Like Ava's family, the promise of jobs in northern Colorado's beet fields was the big draw for Nestor and Santana. Nestor would ultimately work as a superintendent for the Great Western Sugar Company. Ava's parents and grandparents would end up farming near Waverly and up Risk Canyon.
3: See my uh, my parents and, and Lee's parents were real close friends. Lee's mother's mother died when she was real small, and I understand that my gran- she, she stayed with my grandmother, my grandparents. And uh, of course, my grandparents used to visit their family. And uh, when I was kind of small, yet I didn't remember the family too well, but I used to see them at church at Saint Joseph's Church when they used to collect, and and they used to visit them as I say. And. and uh, we visit each other. Finally, we got acquainted. Mm-hmm. What year were you married? In uh, 1924.
2: Well, she told me that he pursued her for okay. a long time. She, I guess, she was pretty free and Yeah. She, she um, said, but he pursued her, and finally they. She gave they in. Give in, I guess.
0: <laughs> so. <laughs> He didn't even twist her arm. That was Philip Martinez and his wife, Carmen. Philip is the second youngest of Ava and Lee's ten children, nine of whom survived infancy. Philip is now one of three surviving Martinez kids. As you probably heard Ava say, she and Lee got married in 1924. According to the rest of her interview, they moved to LaSalle, where Lee farmed sweet corn on 100 acres. Then they ended up on a farm in Kersey, where their first son, Alonzo, was born. The family came back to Fort Collins after Lee's dad, Nestor, got sick. They ended up purchasing a little house at 512 North Grant Street. That's where Philip was born. In 1942, the family took a leap of faith in purchasing a new place, 728 Sycamore Street. Its backyard backed up right to the Grant Street house, and since Philip was just a baby then, He jokes that they just passed him over the back fence when they moved. The Sycamore house was bigger and more expensive than their Grant Street place. Lee didn't even want to buy it. The monthly payments scared him. But according to family stories, Alonzo, who was 17 at the time, pledged to kick in some of his wages. Soon, it was home. What do you remember about growing up there?
2: It was a great... Fun
0: time. It was was fun uh, time. We didn't didn't
2: know we were poor. (laughs) I mean, I, I I don't know. We dressed in the striped county overalls, and mm-hmm. and we got these food baskets from the county, I guess, or something. But uh, also later on, anyway, I remember uh, uh, the game warden, Bernie Crawford, used to bring roadkill or poached animals to Dad, and Dad would. Cut them, distribute them in the community, and we always had meat. It seemed like, and then, of course, he worked for Griffin. He milked cows for Griffin. Your dad did. Yeah. You know, so Griffin's you, a farmer. Harold Harold Griffin, you got must have some history on him. I
0: haven't heard his name, but I bet we have something. You know, he
2: the city the, where the city is on on Wood Street. He
0: mm-hmm. owned that land. Okay.
2: And he had he had acreage. He had uh, cows. He had uh, so Dad would go there every evening, I guess, and milk, so we always had milk and eggs and things when we had chickens anyway. and Mom canned a lot. oh mm-hmm. she the basement was full of peaches and jams and cherries and and then we harvested apples and potatoes and I, I mean everything was there was always food in that house
0: mm-hmm. in Ava's oral history and in other stories I've heard. Lee sounds exceedingly generous, even when he didn't really have that much to give. Lee was self-employed most of his life. He worked various construction, carpentry, farm, and tree trimming jobs, and he didn't make much. But Philip said his dad was always rich in friends. If someone had fallen on hard times and was looking for a meal, they could always go to 728 Sycamore.
2: Mom would always put some a sandwich and milk or something out for them.
0: Yeah.
2: And my uh, well, dad would take anybody in that was new to the community. He'd bring them over, and Mom would be kind of fuming, but, <laughs> but uh, she would provide, and she always mm-hmm. cooked.
0: Lee was also really involved in politics. A huge supporter of the Democratic Party, Lee was known to round up his kids and put them to work rolling up flyers and mailers from the party, Then they take off in his truck to deliver them around the neighborhood.
4: Grandpa was always knocking door to door, visiting people, speaking about if they want a voice in the community,
0: they have to vote. That's Joni Moore, one of Lee and Ava's granddaughters. And back then, and there's a lot
4: of documentation of this, and it's very current right now. there were a lot of um, there was a lot of racism, again, a discrimination against the Latino families, black families and grandpa who really, he had this beautiful heart, he always believed that everyone should have the equal opportunity, Mm -hmm. everyone actually can be who they want to be and he he would talk to us Mm -hmm. about that I remember him telling us that we, sh- we could all become who we want to become. And also that we should, um, well, that we should vote mm-hmm. and speak to our legislators to be able to get those signs away and mm-hmm. to show people who we
0: are. Joni just mentioned signs, a fight to get signs taken away. You see... Racism and discrimination have always been part of Fort Collins' history. If you weren't white, you generally had to carve out your own community on the city's edges. You could only shop at certain stores, only worship in certain churches. That's actually how Holy Family Catholic Church even came about, according to Joni, Phil, and Carmen. After attending St. Joseph's Catholic Church on Mountain Avenue for decades— Holy Family was built in 1929 to house St. Joe's Spanish-speaking parishioners. Soon, the surrounding houses became known as the Holy Family Neighborhood, a haven for working-class Hispanic families. They started from scratch there, the church at the heart of almost everything they did. And in historical reports, the construction of Holy Family was made to sound like a good thing, a church of their very own. But in real life, the stories I've heard indicate the decision was discriminatory, more than anything, made to keep white and Hispanic worshippers separate. Into the 1950s, signs, those signs Joni mentioned, were plastered in windows of old-town businesses. White trade only, they read. No dogs or Mexicans allowed.
2: I guess things were pretty tough with some uh...
0: Well, Well, we experienced a lot of stuff ourselves, so I know what that was about, yeah. Can you tell me more about that? What was that like as you guys were growing up? What did you kinda I was
3: not really around that much to see that, but Philip ended up having a situation. I used to sell
2: newspapers downtown. And so I couldn't go in some places. And of course I could go in the N and R bar. uh, but one day there was a white boy in there selling papers and Rose grabbed me by the back of the hair and threw me out took me out to the door. And push in. I can remember all those guys laughing. I was angry.
0: Mm-hmm. This uh, would have been when you were a little boy.
2: I was probably 11 or something, yeah, I was 10 or 11, I don't know, mm-hmm. selling papers. But but uh, yeah, we couldn't go in a lot of places. The, even when the guys came back from the service, yeah. they they couldn't, you know, they served them at the Poudre Valley. You know, that was the story. They served them at the Puder Valley but they served them in paper cups and they made them take their drinks outside and they wouldn't cater to them.
0: Carmen noted that racism is still very much alive in Fort Collins. It's just more subtle now. But thanks to work from community leaders like Lee Martinez who pushed for everyone to exercise their right to vote, things started to change. attitudes started to shift. Things started to look up. But around the same time, life was about to take a turn for the Martinez family. After this break, I'll get into the tragedy that would change them forever.
2: I don't remember him as, as a boy. I, I just remember him as a soldier and, and seeing him when he was leaving.
4: Grandma would say that um, that whenever she hears a train, uh, the wailing of the train, Reminds her of him. Really?
0: Now is the best time to be exploring the great outdoors. Jack's Outdoor Gear has clothing, footwear, and gear to make the most of summer, doing what you love. Jack's carries all your favorite brands for camping, hiking, paddling, fishing, and more. Visit Jack's Outdoor Gear in Fort Collins, Loveland, Lafayette, Broomfield, and Cheyenne, or visit them online at jacksgoods.com. And So I pulled your grandpa's file that we have. And there aren't, there isn't too, too much in here. That's me and Joni talking about her grandpa Lee in Lee Martinez Park last month. That day, I brought a pair of manila envelopes with me, files from the Coloradoan's newspaper archive. One was full of clippings about Lee. The other was dedicated to Lee and Ava's oldest son. There was this in here, too. Yes. So My that's Uncle a, Alonzo. Yes. So, um, was he the oldest?
4: I know think he was. Know? Okay. Yes. I
0: think um, he was. What, did, what have you grown up hearing about him? Mm.
4: Alonzo was so much fun. <laughs> uh, that's what I hear. So much fun, and it caused such heartache when he died.
0: Yeah.
4: And, um, let's see. Grandma would say that, um... That whenever she hears a train, uh, the wailing of the train, it reminds her of him. Because that was the last time
0: she said goodbye to him. Oh, when she sent him off on the train. Yes. As I mentioned earlier, Alonzo was Lee and Ava's oldest child. He was born in 1925 when they were still farming in Kersey. And in 1942, he helped them get their little house on Sycamore Street. I found a lot of cool documents on Ancestry.com while researching this podcast, and three of those were draft cards. One draft card was from 1918, when Lee registered for the draft during World War I. It had information you don't typically get from other historic documents. It detailed a bit about what Lee looked like then, back when he was 28. He was of medium height, it said, medium build, with dark brown eyes and black hair. Years later, in 1942, Lee registered for the draft again, this time during World War II, and this time as a 52-year-old man. His eyes were still dark brown, the card read. His hair, now gray. The following year, after he turned 18, Alonzo also registered for the draft. He was skinny, about 5 feet, 8 inches and 122 pounds. He worked for the Colorado and Southern Railway, his draft card read, Like his dad, he had brown eyes and black hair. But, unlikely, Alonso wouldn't get the chance to fill out another draft card decades later. His hair would never go gray. In late January 1945, a letter arrived at 728 Sycamore. Addressed to Mrs. Ava Martinez. My dear Mrs. Martinez, it read, on January 3rd, 1945, your son, Private First Class Joseph Alonzo Martinez, Company B, 335th Infantry, was killed in action in Belgium. He was 19 years old.
2: I don't remember him as as a boy, I, I just remember him as a soldier and and seeing him when he was leaving and I, I just don't have any other recollection of him.
0: What do you what do you remember about um like what what did your parents say about him or what did they oh, talk about him much?
2: Oh geez that was uh I was still when he was killed uh, I was the baby I guess I was probably two or three and and mom would go into the into the closet and just cry and cry and I didn't know what to do. I would just hang out outside there and outside the closet because she's closed the door and then mm-hmm. she would cry in her heart out. She, I mean I think to the day she died she would- She's smart. What,
0: what did you hear about Alonzo? Like what was he like? Do you remember?
2: No, just that he was very smart. He was I I don't I don't know. I I don't just don't know a lot about him. Yeah. He, yeah, he just uh he graduated high school and the minute he, he I think they graduated him early and they took him into the military. And of course that was a, quite a few of the young Hispanics here. And uh there was I don't I, my memory of Alonzo is is very minimal. Um, Did your dad ever talk about him? Yeah, well... Or mourn him, kind uh, of like your mom did? Not like mom. No, I don't... Dad was always very composed. Mm. Uh, I don't remember him crying or anything, but mom was... Mom cried her heart out. Mm -hmm. I mean, that was something else.
0: During World War II, Hispanic soldiers, unlike black soldiers were allowed to serve alongside white servicemen. When they came home to Fort Collins, though, the inequities they experienced before they left were still there. Now they were amplified. Here's Joni again. This time she's talking about her father, David Moore. My dad is a Moore, mm-hmm. you know, so
4: we so we're Irish, Native American, Latino, Hispanic. Um but my dad had blue eyes because mm. his dad was very well Irish and Scottish and all that stuff. So he had blue eyes, but he spoke Spanish and English. So when he came back from the war, he, dad tells me that he was allowed into the bars. This is in, after, before I was born, mm-hmm. he was allowed into the bars, but his brothers and relatives were not. And dad would fight for them. I mean, physically <laughs> wow. fight for them. You know, he says, hey, I fought in the war. They did too. They can be, you know, you can serve them a
0: drink also. Yeah. According to Philip, when Fort Collins's Hispanic veterans returned from the war, they were also not allowed to join the city's American Legion post. Hence, the Alonzo Martinez American Legion post 187 was formed in 1946 Lee Martinez was a charter member. The Alonzo Martinez American Legion Post had a role in pressuring merchants to remove racist signs from their shops, according to a historical report done by the city of Fort Collins in 2003. They were gone by the 1950s, though racism still persists today. Later, in the early 50s, the Alonzo Martinez Scholarship Fund was also created. To this day, it gives out $1,000 scholarships to five area Hispanic high school students each year. Lee Martinez was involved in the scholarship program until the day he died. He was also on the city's Human Relations Board and served on the Larimer County Democrat Executive Committee. Joni said she'll always remember her grandpa in his faded blue work overalls. You see, he was either dressed in his work clothes or in one of his fine suits, off to a meeting or a gala somewhere.
2: I don't know. He went to a lot of meetings. Mm-hmm. He went to a lot of meetings, so I'm not sure of everything he was in. But but uh, mom even would get a little tired of going to, you know, dressing up to have to go. And Of course, a lot of them were ball banquets, and they'd dress up or they'd wear costumes or mm-hmm. things. So they participated very well with the community. They were Involved in anyway, mm-hmm. and it was it was the Anglo community. It wasn't a an Hispanic community. Mm-hmm. Um, but he functioned very well in in that realm. So, mm-hmm.
0: while Lee worked his way to getting a seat at the table on various committees, Ava said he never ran for office because he didn't think he would ever qualify for something like that. Instead, he continued his work with the Democratic Party with the Alonzo Martinez American Legion, with the scholarship fund. He would run fundraising and voter registration drives. He would even drive people in his neighborhood to their polling place so they could cast their vote. At home, he and Ava emphasized the importance of education. Lee himself only got to study up through the eighth grade. His kids, however, would go on through high school, some on to college. In 2015, after 10 of his relatives graduated from Colorado State University, Lee was officially named an honorary alumnus of the school.
4: Yeah, my grandpa always thought that we should do our best. Mm-hmm. He also loved education. And that is why my um, my mother always encouraged us to to study well and to become, you know, educators,
0: become whoever we wanted to be. Mm-hmm. According to Phil, his father was also known for being an incredibly, incredibly hard worker. <clears throat> yeah.
2: When he, uh, when they built Heligan Dam, I guess he was, I was, I used to work for uh, her brother's father-in-law and stuff at Ennis, and at Ennis said he worked by her dad, he said he would carry those sacks of cement, like to fling cement on that dam and stuff, and he said he was like an animal. He said he just hmm. worked, he just worked and worked and yeah. and uh...
1: he was called powerful. <laughs> I would
2: <laughs> say well, he was. Even in his old days, he was muscular. You really? Know. Yeah, wow. something I've never had. So.
0: According to Ava's oral history, Lee had a heart attack in 1969, about a year before he died. Ava was out of town, you see, visiting family in Pueblo. And Lee wanted to make sure he had fixed a portion of their fence by the time she got back. But he overdid it, ended up in the hospital. His doctor told him to take it easy. But Ava said that's not something he could bring himself to do. Here's Philip again, talking about the month before his dad's death.
2: About a month before, he was working at the the, um, Padilla house. He was trimming trees, and I was going by and I saw him, so I went over there and I... Helped him finish trees trimming those trees and loaded them up. And him and Joe Telos took them to the dump. But he came back and was demolishing the ash pit because they couldn't burn in the mash pits anymore. And, uh, and he was swinging that sledgehammer, I guess, and had a heart attack. Mm.
0: Lee Martinez died on April 11, 1970, in his family's home on Sycamore Street. He was 80 years old. Five years later, the city announced its newest community park, planned to serve North Fort Collins, would be named after Lee. In a funny twist, part of the land that is now Lee Martinez Park was also once the city's old tree dump. So, as a tree trimmer in town, Lee had been there many a time to drop off downed trees and limbs. He probably never imagined that that land he worked so hard on would be named after him one day that it would see happy, joyful moments, birthday parties, graduations, field trips to the farm. And though his family is so proud of him, Philip said Lee probably would have balked at the idea of a park named for him.
2: Some, it was not something that he would want, or, because or, he was humble about us, so many things.
0: Mm-hmm. After Lee Martinez Park's dedication in 1985, A pair of plaques were mounted on the east side of its pavilion, kind of near the farm at Lee Martinez Park. One details the dedication, the other features the image of Lee Martinez etched into the metal. It also has two sayings, in both English and Spanish, on it. One is, Yo sé quien soy, meaning I know who I am. The other, Tengan Caridad, have charity.
2: And, and that was him.
0: Ten ten carida, that needs care for each other care for each other. Have, have care mm-hmm. ten of it. And that was what he kind of how he was. Yeah. yeah. So the next time you ride your bike through Lee Martinez Park or go there for a softball game or a tennis match, head over to that pavilion, check out those plaques, and know that yes. Lee Martinez is the namesake of a much-beloved park here in Fort Collins. But more importantly, he was a person. He had dreams for himself, for his children, his grandchildren. He made friends, a lot of them, and he made sacrifices. He had a life, and a pretty good one at that. Thank you so much for listening to this latest episode of The Way It Was. A podpast podcast. If you want to see a gallery of some neat Lee Martinez photos, courtesy of his granddaughter Joni, head to coloradoin.com And if you haven't already, go to our The Way It Was landing page. It's solely dedicated to stories on Northern Colorado history. And you can find it by going to Coloradoan.com slash news slash history. A special thanks goes out to Philip and Carmen Martinez Joni Moore, and the archive at the Fort Collins Museum of Discovery for helping this podcast come together. And thank you to our sponsor, Jack's Outdoor Gear Farm and Ranch, for making the way it was possible. I'll be back next month, lucky you, with a new podcast episode. Until then, history nerds. This podcast was brought to you by Jack's Outdoor Gear Farm and Ranch. Jack's Farm and Ranch is your go-to place for everything you need for your livestock, critters, and pets. They have your animals covered for the warm weather of summer, plus everyday essentials like food, treats, toys, and more. Visit any one of their Colorado locations, and now in Cheyenne, or visit them online at jacksgoods.com.